welcome to the IonHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. Episode 25 of the IonHoops.com podcast has finally arrived, and boy, do I have a lot to say, as you can imagine. But I want to start with the most important comment first, and that's a hearty thank you to so, so many of you who reached out to me these past couple of weeks to offer well wishes. In case you didn't pick up on it via the Iona message board or Twitter, my entire family contracted the coronavirus. And we weren't even hanging out with the Iona basketball program. What gives? No, 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 no. It's not funny. It's not funny. Yeah, we all had COVID here. And that's not a laughing matter as my 84-year-old mom lives in an in-law apartment that's part of my house. And actually, someone of that age is of great concern, you know. Uh, as you can imagine. Uh, But if you want to say, as luck would have it, I'm okay with it. But the only one in the house who ended up with significant symptoms is me. If you look up coronavirus symptoms, you'll see a list of like 10 items or so. And I bounced around to pretty much all of them at one time or another over a 10-day period or so. I would say the worst symptom I endured is fatigue. I just felt like I had nothing in the tank for like a good week straight. And now at the time of this recording, I'm pretty much at full strength. Some lingering symptoms here and there, such as congestion. Hopefully I don't sound too nasal on this recording. Um, But nothing like I was going through a few days back. Anyway, I heard from so many of you, uh, from media folks to even I own a legend, Tim Close. And I just wanted to start off by letting you all know I appreciated everyone reaching out and offering me well-wishing. Of course, the timing could not have been worse podcast podcast wise, as you've heard me lament often this season already, uh, as things started to fall apart for me a few days before our beloved gals were slated to return from just an insane 51 day pause. As Iona's game's schedule settled, I was even prepping for the proper guests to help us preview those upcoming uh, Iona games. And we had Jane Daly all set for when Manhattan was going to be coming up. And yes, I was feeling some COVID effects when I made my appearance on his podcast prior to those games. Um, hey, man, even when I'm falling apart, I got to represent, you know. Um, anyway, heading into this week, we had our friends from the Monmouth Fan Podcast all set to join us. But my body, my body just wasn't going to cooperate. So I had my own two-week shutdown. I guess you can liken it to when a husband gets sympathy pains for his wife. as about to give birth or something with me going on COVID pause, just like the Iona programs have been getting ready to come off pause. Alas, here we are for the stretch run, both the Iona Gales and the IonaHoops.com podcast season one. Uh, it's going to be a busy next three weeks out here as we wrap up the season and prepare for the MAC tournament. And while we're on that, let's talk about the pod, pod, podcast plan and schedule. The Gales have uh, five more regular season games scheduled at the time of this airing. <laughs> I have to stress that in this season. Uh, today, we're going to recap what we've missed since the shutdown ended with short takes on the Manhattan series and the Quinnipiac game and a more extended look at the Monmouth games. We'll then preview Wednesday's game against Marist and this weekend's shutdowns, uh, showdowns with Siena. <laughs> cool. Slip there, huh? Anyway, uh, I entertain the idea of grabbing someone to join us to preview all these games, but I have to just to fly solo instead since I had so much to cover. And I don't want to keep you guys here forever. Um, I, again, some of the feedback I received during the early part of the year was trying to keep the episodes to a half hour during the season. Um, and so I've been trying to do that. And we'll, and, you know, sometimes the easiest way to do that is not to have a guest, especially when there's a lot going on. Um, but anyway, um, We'll be back next Monday to review this week's games and preview the regular season finales against St. Peter's, which, a reminder, are actually Thursday and Friday games, not over that weekend, next weekend. 
um, two weekends from now, I should say, because next weekend is Sienna Games. Um, by that Sunday, we'll have our Mac preview episode. I have no idea exactly what that's going to entail, but the idea of a roundtable with myself and Jaden Daly and Mark Gump and Ryan Kinghorn from Monmouth has been floated about and would be a fun way to preview the tournament, having all four of us talking about it, sharing it, uh, sharing our thoughts on how we think those uh, days in Atlantic City are going to go. As for the tournament myself, as for the tourney itself, I've been asked repeatedly, will I be in Atlantic City? The answer is I don't know yet. Whether I'm there in person or just Zooming with so many other media folks, like for instance, I know in Jay and Delhi is not going to Atlantic City. Um, I'll do what I can to grab hold of various folks down there to join me during that week. Um, and Or even if I'm here, um, as starting that Monday, I'll be doing a daily episode as long as one of the Iona basketball teams are still alive. But like I said, what all that looks like, that's still a work in progress. We've got some, a couple weeks to work on that, so hang out and we'll figure it out as we go. Okay, we've got you caught up. I know you guys miss the Iona Iotas. I mean, they're like a drug. I get it. So let me give you all some sugar. Iona Iotas. I mentioned a moment ago that this podcast will be putting out daily eps as long as one of the Iona teams are still going to Atlantic City. At this point, I'm really hoping that we'll still have two teams even participating as the Iona women, sadly, had a shutdown yet again. I mean, I can't imagine what's going to Billy Chambers' head these days. So, so frustrating. I mean, you're on a long pause. You come back. You play two solid teams and go 0-4, but you play pretty well in all four games, even though you lost all four. So there's something to build on there, and then wham, you're back on pause again. I mean, when the announcement hit a couple days back, I was almost expecting a follow-up announcement that Iona's women's team was just going to shut it down. It's not unprecedented. The Canisius women have already done it. Uh, for the season because of repeated COVID issues and, and whatnot. But thankfully, no such announcement. Say strong, Iona women. Uh, no such announcement has occurred. I'm happy to hear it. I still think the team has a chance to pull off a surprise to an AC. Um, nobody in the MAC is so good that you just chalk it up and it's done. We we talked about that in season preview with, with Coach Chambers, and it's still true today. Every team in the MAC on the women's side can be had. So it's. I'm hoping now and women get a chance to, to show what they're made of. Get well, ladies. So one thing I've been asked about a few times is that since I've taken the time to post MAC spreads and picks of all of the games uh, that involve MAC teams, why don't I pick Iona's? Well, believe it or not, I have a few reasons for it. First, bias. I mean, let's face it. I'm still a fan. I want to get games right. Heart versus mind is usually not a great way to do that. Second, sometimes it's it's possible to know too much about a team that you follow, and then you start overthinking, and certainly I risk that. I mean, you look at a number, and you just know in your head, uh, but I know this guy's banged up, or this one, or the, this matchup may not be the best. I know enough to know a little bit of that. Sometimes that's dangerous. Sometimes it's overthinking it, too. So that's another reason. The third is that I know Iona players and coaches and you know, follow me on Twitter, not to mention some Mac administrators. Uh, and I don't know if I pick against Iona, I just think it looks bad given the role that I play. I mean, you know, I, we all have our thoughts on how the team's going to perform. To me, to post it publicly that say if Iona is an underdog in a game, and then I pick the team that's favored against them, I'm actually going out saying I expect Iona to lose. You're never going to hear me say I expect Iona to lose the game. It's just not happening. I don't care if we're playing Gonzaga in the first round of the NCAA tournament. You're not going to hear me come on here and say I expect us to lose. It's just who I am. Uh, and that's what fans do. God damn it. Sorry for the curse. Uh, hey, I haven't said it in a while since I had the whole sucks brigade about four podcasts ago. So anyway, moving along, moving along, moving along. 
Um, super, lastly is superstition. I've kind of felt like I've jinxed Iona when I've kind of made bold statements about how they're going to perform. Um, and I've, you know, that's again, we all have our stupid little superstitions. You know, do you believe it or not? That's, that's a whole different conversation. But, uh, you know, I know, I know. But uh, in my head, when I see an Iona-related spread, I tend to have a lean one way or the other. So that in that said, you know, I have though I have not tallied any specific, any kind of separate record just for how I've done on Iona games in my head or anything like that. You know, I've noticed that I generally tend to do so so on them just like I do on the rest of the Mac picks. Probably should just make them then, right? But anyway, for example, you know, again, you know, people said, "Can should I share my picks after Iona games are done?" I, I could do that. I, I don't know if there's any real benefit to it, but. For an example, I did get both Manhattan games right. I thought we were going to win the first one, and, and I thought we would struggle in the second. That's been Iona's pattern. It's also been a MAC pattern, by the way. Um, usually the team that that uh, uh, loses the first night bounces back and covers the spread the next night. That's actually a pretty strong trend that's been in the MAC this year. Shh, don't tell anybody. Anyway, um, but I was wrong on Quinnipiac. I actually thought we were going to play well that game. Um and then you want to talk about Mammoth? I, in my in my head, I felt like we were going to beat them Friday, and I thought we were going to lose to them Saturday. So here we are. Um, glad to be wrong there, that's for sure. Um, so take that for what it's worth, I guess. Iona, Iona. We're going to talk about next season a little later in the episode because there's a slight theme to it a little bit, but uh, I wanted to hit on next season's schedule as it's already a topic of conversation. We're all looking forward to next year with some normalcy and attending games again. Um, and hopefully by next fall, we certainly have that, especially with the vaccines uh, being out there now and more on the way. Um, I, I really feel like even if we're all wearing masks, that we'll all be at games next season. Um, and I'll sign for that right now, by the way. I think we all would. Uh, who cares if I have to wear a mask for two hours? I mean, come on. Anyway, um, in the recent post-game press conference, though, uh, Rick Pitino talked about multiple games in Madison Square Garden. Seton Hall and BYU have been mentioned. Uh, a separate game at Barclays. Um, I know that uh, a decent opponent is being talked about for that. Um, we've also got the Orlando Invitational on tap with the likes of Kansas and Alabama already signed up to be in that. And we should have the continuation of the mascot series, if you will. If you guys remember how we our game against Hofstra came to be uh, it's the start of a three three game series, um, and we should be hosting Hofstra next season. Now, I want to clarify: no game is locked in, and we know this already. And I've heard it from Brian Byer about a million times: no game is locked in until the contracts are signed. And as of right now, I think the only guaranteed action that's totally one hundred percent locked in is the Orlando uh, event. Um, Pretty sure Hofstra will happen too, but there's no contract on that yet. Now, granted, we're in the middle of the season and we're not going to worry about contracts yet. But the Orlando one was obviously something different. Um, no question, though, that if these all if these games that we're talking about come to fruition, it's going to be an exciting 21-22 season to get away from your TV sets and hit the road with the team. I can tell you right now. I mean, assuming it's indeed happening and there's nothing that's going to get in the way of fans going, I am practically guaranteed to go to Orlando. Uh, to, for that event. So, and I'm dragging my family with me, whether, you know, and, and if they don't want to go too bad, I'll go hang out with Mickey for three days or whatever. And I'm fine with that. Um, anyway, given the mess that this season has been, I'm already pumped for next season action. Oh, and here's a little morsel you may not have heard anywhere else. Don't be shocked to see Iona head to Greece over the summer. <laughs> okay, now that you've had your Iota fixes, let's hit you with some tasty waves, the Mac Tide Report.
So this is one of those times where I feel like the whole Tide Report thing is a horrible idea. Why? Because it just seems like everyone in the Mac is up and down, and you just can't tell who's rising and who's falling. I mean, this was such a dumb idea. But, hey, I committed to it, and we're almost done with the season. Maybe it's something I do away with moving forward. I'm just going to do it by pure numbers, though, this time around, and there is some logic to it. So rising this week, we have Quinnipiac. The Bobcats had a rough go of things a couple weeks back, getting swept at home by Canisius, but bounced back nicely with three straight wins, the win over Iona starting it off, and then two blowout victories over Ryder. It's six is wild in the MAC right now. There are four teams with six wins vying for the sixth seed. I'm not sure if the Bobcats have the best shot of that group at escaping the pig or even getting that sixth seed, but right now they're playing good basketball and they're rising. And following, we have the aforementioned Ryder Bronx. They're oddly the only team that seemed to come out of pause in the MAC that totally flopped uh, when they came out uh, with two blowout losses at Quinnipiac. Ryder sits in 11th place right now, and their closing slate is no joke, traveling to St. Peter's and then hosting Monmouth in their final four games. Not the best of seasons in Lawrenceville. It's time to review, well, five Iona games that I've missed since I was on my own pause. Like I said, we won't spend a ton of time on all the games. There's too many to cover to go into a lot of depth, but we'll we'll certainly focus uh, a bit more on the Monmouth matchups. Fifty-one days. Fifty-one. With that kind of layoff. What did we expect out of our Gales? Well, initially it was what layoff? As Iona torched the Jaspers 85 67 in the first meeting behind some hot shooting and ball movement. At the time, some of us were nitpicking, actually, the fact that the Gales struggled in the second half of this one as Steve Mazziello bombarded the Gales uh, with waves of pressure with the hopes of wearing down Iona the second meeting. And well, it worked. The Jaspers made some perimeter shots early, then outwilled the Gales down the stretch uh, en route to a 77 win in the, in the second game of the series. No nitpicking this time around as Iona struggled in many facets of the game and looked like a team that had been off for seven weeks. Uh, some positives, though. We saw the debut uh, for the two games. We saw we did see plenty of positives. We saw the debut of seven-footer Osborne Shima. We were all waiting for that one, who did some really nice things, but clearly needs, near, clearly needs to hit both the weight room and the buffet table during the offseason. Uh, we also saw Colton Cashaw make his view of the season in two Manhattan games. Colton... Um, because of his defense, it's going to play a role for this team the rest of the way, folks. You know it. But with their feet wet after a long pause, many were expecting Iona to fire all cylinders up at Quinnipiac. I know I was. No dice. The game was pretty back and forth, but Iona managed to stretch their lead to five with about five minutes to play. And then promptly were outscored by nine the rest of the way in a 74-70 loss. This performance surprised me. Uh, I expected the guys to play better coming off the Manhattan loss. And in fact, the performances. Uh, seem to change uh, the, the, the two performances, the Manhattan loss and the Quinnipiac game, uh, seem to change Rick Pitino's tone and approach to the rest of this season and the program moving forward um, with lots of little talk about the program's future rather than any concerns about this season and prepping for the MAC tournament. Uh, I'm going to string a couple couple different little sound bites here from the Matt Manhattan and Quinnipiac post-game press conferences to echo my point. Uh, we've got a great recruiting class and just let's get through these eight games, play, play well in the tournament and build something special. What I'm trying to do is, is go into March having a chance to win. Um, that's the only thing I'm after right now. I'm not, usually I get ballistic about losing a game. 
But after missing 45 days, I'm not. All I'm trying to do is continue to teach, continue, plan for the future. Next year, we're not going to have a schedule like this next year. We're going to play in the Garden twice. We're going to play in a tournament with Alabama and Kansas. We're going to play in the Barkley Center. So we got to get ready. And the only way for us to get ready is to become a great man-to-man defensive team this year. So in our wacky COVID world of Mac Hoops, I want to welcome first place Monmouth. <laughs> first place Monmouth, even though they don't have the West best winning percentage, for a two-game set this past weekend. And expectations were mixed, I think. They're not super high, um, but they were mixed. Um, a split seemed logical. Um, and again, talking uh, offline with people like Jaden and and like the Monmouth uh, podcast guys, I think, you know, we all could have, we all kind of saw you know, that that was a potential there. Uh, but a thought of the sweep was it was in my mind, and a sweep occurred, but not the way I was expecting. Save for a late push in Friday's final eight minutes, Iona thoroughly handled Monmouth all weekend, lighting up the Hawks with 91 and 88 point performances. The Iona defense also performed extremely well over the weekend, and in short, we saw a complete 180 from what we saw against Manhattan and Quinnipiac. What changed? Um, well. Let's let's go to some uh, pregame perspective from Patino fri- prior to Friday's game, as he shared with us after Saturday's game. What uh, my pregame speech to him last night was this: I said, "Guys, look. If any team has a built-in excuse, it's you guys. Fifty-one days off, three different pauses. Asante's missed eighty percent of the practices. Dylan's missed about sixty percent of the practices." I said, so all of you guys, uh, you're going to look back some year for Isaiah and uh, Asante. And, and I said, Isaiah, you're going to, you have a child and you're going to tell you, he's going to ask you, what was your senior year like? And you're going to say, well, it was a pandemic and we were all sitting out and we really didn't reach our potential because we couldn't practice. And you're going to make up all these excuses of why we didn't have a great senior year. I said, or you can consider excuses a sign of weakness. And you guys can do everything humanly possible from an enthusiasm standpoint, from a defensive standpoint, to play catch up. And if you want to have a story to your child someday that's a positive story, you need to do something about it now. And they certainly did it last night as well as as tonight. On the message boards and on Twitter, I I had been voicing concerns for a while about the team's lack of depth in recent weeks. But that problem seemed to just kind of go away this weekend. I asked, I asked Coach Patino about it last night. Yeah, Coach, I just wanted to ask, um, you know, just a few games back, you were talking about um, you, you were frustrated because you couldn't really turn to your bench very often. You had to play your starters a lot of minutes. And now all of a sudden we have this depth. <laughs> um, what do you attribute it to? Well, probably, you know, you're going to laugh at this, but I resigned my fact to the, that I told the seniors, I said, look, I've got to not only plan for this year, I got to see what I have coming back. So I'm playing my bench. I told them, I said, you're still going to get your minutes. You're still going to be happy, but I need to see what Ryan can do, what Colton can do, what Osborne can do. Um, I I need to find this out going into next year. So we're going to play exactly the way I played at Kentucky, not Louisville. Kentucky, we were a man team. We were a pressing team. Um, We moved the basketball well. At Louisville, we were a matchup 2-2-1 to a matchup zone. I said, we're gonna, I showed him a film of Kentucky. We're gonna play at a high pace. We're gonna play our bench. 
We're going to have more possessions. So I need to see what I have coming back because guys, I never seen these guys in person play uh, any of them. I just watched them on film. So I need to see what we need, what we can do. And um, I'm, I'm very pleased. Even a guy like Colton, I think Colton's a tenacious defensive player. He's improved his shooting with our player development. Dylan's getting better. Um, uh, Nelly came in late. Osborne's getting better. Every guy in the team, jean Louise is getting better. There's not one player on our basketball team that hasn't improved immensely from player development sessions, but I need to see them in games to determine what I have. And what about Patino's look to the future approach that he seemed to take after the Manhattan and Quinnipiac games? Is that now just a history given Iona's wins over Monmouth? So I did not resign myself uh, to the future, but I, I do, when, when we were going to play 10 games, in 22 days, I thought that was a pretty tall mountain to climb. And uh, so far, our guys have responded well. We got to take a couple of days off. We got to take off tomorrow, and then we got to take off next Thursday. But we're improving. We're getting better, and that's what you want to see from a basketball team, even though we missed a lot of time. So great wins for the Gales, but there's no rest for the weary. And Iona's tired. Believe me, even Patino has said it. Huge week of games coming up against Maris and Siena, so let's take a look. The Gales travel to Poughkeepsie Wednesday to take on a surprising Maris team. The Foxes are 8-8 eight eight on the season, so they're definitely, they've definitely fared a bit better than most expected thus far. Um, and this will come as no shock to all of you since John Dunn is their coach, but Maris is doing it on defense. The Foxes haven't given up more than 67 points in a game since January 10th. On the other side, eh, Maris isn't scorching the nets. They average just under 63 points per game on the season. Um, the Foxes do things as a team with Ricardo Wright, the only Fox, averaging double figures and scoring at 10.9 points per game. Maris doesn't shoot the ball that well and is actually as turnover prone as Iona is when pace is factored in. Um, but they hold you to 40% shooting and they ride that defense as long as they can. But those defenses can be had. Both Canisius and Niagara in, in, in one of the two meetings they had with those two teams um, had strong offensive games that resulted in wins, easy wins in fact. And Mammoth had success offensively in both meetings with Maris as the Hawks posted two easy wins. So when, when Maris' defense is had, they're usually just not in the game because they just can't score to keep up. So that's that's something we have to keep an eye on here. This is a game in which Iona needs to do damage in transition, push the tempo, make buckets while the Foxes are not settled in the half court on defense. And on defense, Maris does not shoot the three well at just 31% as a team. So let's keep them at that number or lower and good things are going to happen. But again, make no mistake, this is an important game for tiebreakers as we start to think about tourney seats. Iona has to build on what they started this past weekend in Monmouth if they're going to escape the play-in round. And now, let's talk about the Siena Saints. Ah, uh, Siena. The program Mac fans love to hate because of their arrogant, imbecilic fan base full of hayseeds riddled with delusions of grandeur. It's always special when Iona and Siena meet. Siena's done some good damage during the regular season but is Ofer against Iona when it counts in March, a delicious fact that Gale fans enjoy immensely. This two-game set is intriguing on so many levels, though. 
The Saints were the clear preseason Mac favorite, but Jalen Pickett's hamstring injury has hampered the preseason player of the year's performance. In fact, Pickett may be the first preseason player of the year in Mac history that may not even make an all-Mac team this year, unless they stick him on there based on reputation, which is possible. Pickett's numbers aren't bad, mind you. He's averaging 12-7-4 and is also still one of the league's best defenders, so he probably has a good shot at the third team anyway. But he isn't taking over games as in the past, and Sienna's performance on the offensive end has suffered as a result. The cupboard's not bare, of course, at Sienna, as fellow preseason first-teamer Manny Kemper is doing it all, averaging 13-10, and, and might just be the front-runner for the MAC preseason player of the year right now. Uh, Jackson Stormo's averaging 9-6. and six. Uh, um, King is averaging, I think, 12. Uh, but bottom line, Sienna's winning games, but they're not overwhelming teams as expected mainly because they go into extensive lulls on the offensive end of the floor. Sienna hasn't top 70 in a game in more than a month, and that was at Ryder, the worst defensive team in the league. The Saints do remain solid on the defensive end, however, and they find ways to survive games late because in most games, they're going to have the two most talented players in the league on the floor in, in Pickett and Camper. At least going into the season, that's what everybody felt. But despite their issues, you know, they're still Sienna. They still have those leagues best winning percentage. That's an amazing tribute to them considering Pickett has not been 100%, supposedly. Lastly, you know, as the tuck kind of became Heinz North for the Iona Gales, especially in March, Heinz has become kind of tuck south over time during regular season with Sienna capturing many regular season meetings in New Rochelle. So, this is going to be a very, very intriguing two-game set. The Mac board will be a buzz. Twitter will be a buzz. It's going to be fun. long COVID pause for this podcast and we're glad to be back man we're especially glad to have wins to talk about let's do this again next week with some more wins I hope as we draw closer to wrapping up the regular season we're going to see you then and go Gales thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast this podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com and its publisher Guy Filatico the opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filatico IonaHoops.com and any future guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona College Athletics or the college itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.